1: Welcome to CEO Coach in this wonderful Monday morning, coming to you from Seattle, Washington. We're going to talk about business metrics today. It's getting to be the end of the year. It's time to take a look at the metrics. It's time to take a look at the data that will tell you how your business is doing and whether or not you're increasing or decreasing in value. We're going to talk about some metrics to keep your business focused on what's working, what's not working. It's good to take an end-of-year assessment and figure out how your company is doing. Obviously, there are things that we track every single day of every single week of the year. But at the end of the year, removing all of the clutter and taking a look at the gross picture is kind of important to figure out what you're gonna do next year. So this is about 2014 planning. We start with simple stuff. Take a look at your sales revenue. If you're in business, you've sold something. Service, product, mixture, whatever. You've sold something. Take a look at the numbers. Take a look at the month over month if you've had more than a year in business. If it's your first year, just take a look from month to month. But we want everything to be moving up and to the right. The most important piece really is, however, the month over month. Once you've been in business for one year, the question is not so much how much did you close in September and how did it do with August, but rather what did it do compared to last September and last August. And here's why. When you look at your month-to-month increases or decreases, we always get you know, lost in the weeds. You take a look at the pieces of information. You say, well, I had 1,400 visitors to my website, and I sold 800 pieces of something and 200 pieces of something else and so on and so forth. We take a look at that. And then the next month is like, oh, I only sold 700 pieces of what I sold 800 of last month. That's a worry. It's not so much of a worry if you take a look at the last year's same month. So in other words, in September of this year, say 2013, you will have sold 1,000 pieces of product X. How many pieces of product X did you also sell in 2012, in September of 2012? Does Products X always sell better in the summer and less so in the autumn? Some items, of course, aren't understandable immediately. We're going to sell a whole lot of ski equipment starting in about October and November because we're getting ready for a ski season. It sells a little earlier in the northern or very southern hemispheres. For their uh, approach to winter, and it sells uh, a little later as you get to more of the central um, uh, sections and so on. It, it depends on the weather and their access to skiing and when the ski season starts. All of that makes sense. That's easy. But how about if you're selling service? If you sell services, consulting services particularly, one would think that there is no season to your year. Here's the point there is always a season in the year in which you will sell more and a season in which you will sell a little less. The question as to why you might sell more or less in a particular quarter, month, even certain parts of the week and so on is questionable. Whether you can move that needle is also questionable, but you will never know what to work on until you track it. So here's what I'm suggesting at the end of the year, right now, take a look at your month over month returns on particular types of things you sell, if you're in the consulting business specifically, then take a look at the patterns over the last year or after, over the last five or 10 years, depending on how long you've been in business. When you find the patterns and you say, it looks like every April I really start gearing up selling and it just kind of goes on and that's great. The question is this, is it because you yourself slacked off towards the end of december and took the holiday and people weren't in touch with you and it took longer so you started in january again and then it took three months to sell stuff so by april you're now pulling in money again or is it that you kept after it but the businesses that you serve calm down around the end of December and they would like to push you off and then they'll talk again in January and then again it will take three months. And if that were the case, have you closed those items that might have closed in January back in October? That would be something you can move the needle on. You can approach companies to say we will begin in January because that's a good mindset for them and then you can close that deal the prior October. If that's the case, could you again close February in November? Probably. But could you close March in December? Only if you did it in the very first couple of weeks. So that might make good sense as well. Or maybe it's only if you do it in the very last week. When everybody else is on holiday, there are some companies that would want to close those deals and make sure they get that into the last year's budget. Whatever it takes, you can start, start twin dials only if you know where the numbers lie. So sales revenue is the first thing that you take a look at make sure you 're doing it month over month. make sure you do things like checking the even the parts of the small items product items or even small service items or subs, uh, excuse me subscriptions then you 're going to want to take a look at what times of day people buy and what days of the week they buy and whether or not they're associated with paychecks and things like that every second week whether they're associated with trends in holidays only do people only buy for things like Mother's Day and uh, uh, Christmas and so on or are they buying for other parts of you know uh, other elements that uh, would make their mind up uh, around other things that would push them forward it depends on what you're selling how they're buying, the price point, and the target market. All of those things are critical, and you should be tracking all of them in tracking your sales revenue. You want to take a look at customer loyalty and retention, number two. The reason customer loyalty and retention, of course, is important is that it's cheaper to keep a customer than it is to get a new one. That's old hat stuff. As you look at it, it's really part of taking a look at that sales revenue. The sales revenue will not only tell you what got purchased, but you want to segment it into who purchased it and how much was purchased. There is an old saying, and it says, You want to sell, you want to sell more of it, and you want to sell it more often. I would all should feel special about what they're doing with you, and they should become your evangelist. They love to work with you, they love to spend money with you, all of that's great. Now, if it's a lonely old person who continues to get on the phone and buy from you simply because they want somebody to talk to, you have a problem. Hello, QVC. But if you have somebody who has the capability of spreading the word about the goodness of your company, in other words, the value you bring to them, the quality of either your product or service for them, and so on, whether it's an individual as a retail customer, B2C, or whether it's a business person, B2B, You want to curry that favor and you want to cultivate the ability of that person to do your marketing for you. Their value as a customer increases not just in the amount they spend with you, but in the amount they can cause others to spend with you. So the value of your customer does not increase in a straight line with the amount of money they spend. The value at a certain level, and you will have to determine that level, will mean they can become a corporate evangelist and the value of every single dollar they spend with you thereafter has a multiple depending on the number of people they reach and the number of dollars those people spend with you as well. What you create is a community around your own brand and then you monitor, support, and help to grow the community around your key buyers, your key customers, who are now your corporate evangelists. This is Jillian Music at CEO Coach, weaving the connection between marketing, sales, and tracking your data. We'll be back in one
0: minute. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach, right after this. let our in house printing and CD DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. And a there are many things we would love to catch catching the final out of a baseball game, and that's the ball game. reeling that big catch of the day, or catching a ride home. Taxi. We explore the world of search marketing, give in-depth analysis inside the important industry headlines, and interview with the most important industry thought leaders. Search Kingdom, on demand inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're back with Jelly and Musig, the CEO coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm
1: talking about the data in your business what to track especially at the end of the year. So we talked a little bit about sales, we talked about the customer loyalty and retention process. It's about who you're selling more to and understanding at what point you suddenly get, you know, the quickening from being a customer to being potentially corporate evangelist. Take a look at that, and again, take a look at that year over year. How many corporate evangelists did you have last year? If the answer was absolutely none in your customer base, it's time to take a look at your top customers and start covering the ability of these people to be able to be your evangelist. Often, they want to be. They're waiting for your lead. We'll talk again in uh, the next coming weeks about how to create corporate evangelists and how to support them among your customer base. But for today, we're just going to track who's possible. The value of a customer over their lifetime is also a critical piece, and it's something you want to take a look at. Uh, it's not just how much they've purchased, but how long they remain with you. Certainly, this is hugely important in a subscription-based service in which they are spending the same amount month per month, and that's an important deal. But it's also important to note how many months they've been with you as a customer of product. If they pick up a little of this or a little of that, are they doing it on a regular basis? Uh, folks like Amazon Prime would be looking at that. They want to know if you're ordering your groceries. Are you doing it regularly? Even if you're doing it only once a month, are you doing it for a long period of time? Obviously, the dollar value is there, but once again, it's an indicator for potential corporate evangelist over time. So let, take a look at the number of the amount that you're selling. Take a look at your customer base. Is the customer base growing itself? The number of repeat customers and how long those repeat customers are repeating their process and how frequently. You want all of those things to improve. Customer churn rates, those who drop off, you want that to decrease, of course, and you want the number of uh, months in which they are active with you uh, to increase instead. Now, cost of customer acquisition. It's all really good to have loads of customers. My question to you next is, what did it cost to acquire them? And here I find a lot of people play games with their own numbers. They don't actually acknowledge the full cost of acquisition. If you're doing pay-per-click and you're getting a cost of acquisition there, that's pretty cool, but what else does it take? Does it take a lot of your phone time if you're a very small business? Does it take an increasing number of customer service people uh, to man the phones if you're in a larger business? Start taking into account the serious cost of acquisition and then the cost of maintenance per customer by tracking the amount of time and money you're spending, depending on whether you're hiring others to do it, of course, on managing the customer itself, either getting them to their uh, first product sale or any product sale, and then, of course, managing and holding hands either during ownership of the product or service, delivery of the service, and, of course, getting them to do it again. So cost of acquisition. It's the cost, a total cost associated with acquiring your customer. It will include all aspects of your marketing and your sales. So if you have salespeople on the ground, you're paying commission, that's an easy one. Add that in. If you also have a marketing department, you're going to have to allocate the cost of your marketing over the entire group of customers and then determine which marketing is selling which customers and which one makes you the most money. That's something your marketing department should be doing if you have a larger business. If you're doing it all yourself, well, pen to paper here. This is what you're looking for. You're looking for an indication of the different kinds of marketing efforts that you've taken uh, underwing this entire year. Take a look at it in a broader sense than, oh, last year we had this campaign, and then last week we had this campaign, and uh, two weeks ago we sent out emails and so on and so forth. Get larger than that take a look at all email campaigns throughout the last year, take a look at all PPC efforts, that would be your sales efforts, and so on, uh, paid marketing, and then take a look at things like uh, outreach, blogging, the amount of time and effort, whether you had guest bloggers, whether you had to pay them to do that, all of those costs, and lump them into specific buckets. Once you have the bucket that says, okay, Blogging actually cost us this amount of money because that's the amount of time it took and that's the number of people who were doing it and uh, you know, there's the dollar value. Once you've figured those kinds of things out and you've done it over an entire year, you might say, you know what? I spent 10000 bucks on blogging. I spent 100000 bucks on blogging. I spent half a million dollars on blogging. Whatever it was, the question is, what did it bring in? What piece of the sales funnel does it serve? None of them are going to say, well, we went from a blog to selling a $100,000 consulting gig. It might, but trust me, there were other touch points. So figure out all of it, including technical search optimization, where you're ranking in the SERPs, and so on. So if, for example, you're selling hard product and you're selling a particular pair of, I don't know, orange shoes, You can figure out whether or not those particular orange shoes have uh, photos in uh, Google Images, whether there are mentions in social media, whether you've done a blog post about them or several blog posts, whether others are speaking about those orange shoes from the stage, uh, all of those bits and pieces, and then add it to your PPC and put it all together and say, yeah, that's the cost of marketing my orange shoes and the selling of the orange shoes well if you've got a salesperson out there and they're pushing those orange shoes how many dollars did it take to get them out on the road and so on and what was the commission. When you're all done the cost of acquisition per pair of orange shoes will become clear and then you can decide whether you want to repeat for the purple shoes. We're going to take one more break here at CEO Coach. When we come back, we're going to discuss more things you should be tracking at the end of the year, especially. This is Jillian Musig at CEO Coach.
0: Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach right after this. Why do over 15,000 small businesses love working with Infusionsoft? Because we believe in people and their dreams. We empower entrepreneurs and our groundbreaking tools help small businesses grow and thrive. We listen. We care. We serve our customers and we do what we say we'll do. We're always trying to find new ways to innovate and to improve our all-in-one sales and marketing platform. Most of all, from email to e-commerce, we help small businesses like yours succeed. Go to infusionsoft.com/radio to watch a free product demo. That's infusionsoft.com/radio.
2: I'm John Ball and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com.
0: Welcome to the WordPress Community Podcast, the essential source for news and information on the most popular blog publishing tool on earth. The WordPress Community Podcast, on demand anytime inside the internet marketing channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. We're back with Jelly and Musig, the CEO coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome back. We're talking about the things you should track at the end of the year. Take a kind of special look at and see where you're going to head in 2014. We've talked about sales. We've talked about the cost of acquisition. And we're going to talk about a couple of other bits and pieces here. In particular, I want to discuss the operating productivity. So staff productivity is an important piece. And of course, you know, that's pretty obvious stuff. Um, But if you don't know how your staff is doing things, then you really can't turn the dial on it. So you want to check a couple of things. You want to check, if you will, the morale of your staff right about this time of year. How did they feel about what they did over the past year? How do they feel about how they're performing and what they can do to improve it? Now's just a really good time to sit quietly with your staff one-on-one, if possible, and learn what it is that is stopping them from playing at the top of their game. Right about now, your staff should be looking at their own metrics. They should be looking at what they've achieved, how they've done it, what they need to do even better. They will be the people who tell you. It's the ones on the street. It's the ones on the ground. I think I've shared this story before, but it bears repeating in case you haven't heard that podcast. There is a question in a restaurant, as to who knows which dishes are uh, suitable for the audience, if you will, for the uh, diners, and which ones they really enjoy and what will bring them back to the same restaurant. And in that question lies another one. The question there is, who knows which one of these dishes is delicious or not? And it has to be delicious not to the people who create it, not to the staff, but to the diners, because those are the people who will come back and spend money. It isn't the maitre D, It is certainly not the chef. It's nobody else in the kitchen there. It turns out that it's the busboy. It's the one who picks up the plate and scrapes the leftovers into the garbage. And nobody ever asks the busboy. But the busboy knows that every day, The peas are gone from the plates, and the broccoli is always scraped off into the bin. The busboy may not even be aware of it, but if somebody asked him, on a daily basis, which vegetable do you never see on the plate, and which vegetable do you always see on the plate, she or he would be able to answer that question. I'm asking you now to take time at the end of the year to ask your busboys. If you have a, uh, a staff that manages customer service, now's the time to ask them, what is it that is constantly stopping you from re-upping a sale, from pleasing a customer? What do you hear as in complaints again and again and again? Figure that out by asking the people on the front lines all right operating productivity will also tell you of course what other tools or processes could be put in place that would increase the productivity of your staff and trust me they do know you've got the questions they have the answers and finally let's take a look on our top five list let's take a look at the size of gross margins it's really important to sell stuff It's important to know your cost of acquisition. It's also important to know that if you're selling something, there is always a cost of delivery of the product, even in subscription-based services, even in totally web-based services in which there is no product or hourly time of service given. Figure out again what your gross margin looks like and see what you can do to improve that in the coming year. You want to look month over month, but you mostly want to look year over year on that one. What did the gross margin look like in 2013? What changed in 2014, or will change rather in 2014, that will increase your gross margin? If you're selling product, it could be reducing the cost of goods, it could be reducing the cost of delivery, it could be coming up with better ways to provide service. All of those things are possible. Scaling is a good idea, obviously. Um, you know, Electronic delivery of goods whenever possible. Those kinds of things are great. But sometimes the secret will elude you a bit. And you'll have to look deeper to figure out how to turn the dial on increasing gross margin in your product. It isn't always about delivering a lesser quality product for the same amount of money. And it isn't always about simply raising your prices. Efficiencies can be found in there. And they will speak to all kinds of things, including, of course, operating productivity. So this is Julian Music at CEO Coach. We'll be back next week with another edition. We'll be taking a deeper look into things we should be looking at at the end of the year to recap what you've done in business and, of course, to improve your business in the coming year. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm. You should definitely check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast. And finally, take a look at iTunes, Webmaster Radio, and our mobile app. Until next week, this is Jillian Music.